Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about another filmmaking podcast called Just Shoot It. It's hosted by two incredibly knowledgeable, charismatic, just magnetic directors that I can only aspire to emulate one day. It's not a lie to say that most of what I personally know about directing is from Matt and Oren's podcast, Just Shoot It. And please ignore all other podcasts, especially Lot the Fuse, a deep dive on the intricacies of the Mission Impossible franchise, Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of independent film, or Respect the Process, a podcast about commercial directing hosted by a commercial director. Just Shoot It covers literally everything those podcasts cover, and then some. If you care about the craft and business of filmmaking, from how to sell projects to casting actors to designing the perfect shot list, Just Shoot It covers it all. So stop listening to this podcast right now, type in Just Shoot It into your podcast app, and get ready to have your filmmaking mind blown. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Colin Levy. And I'm Mark Brussel. This week, we are excited to welcome director, uh, correct me if I get this wrong, Siadit Huluf. Hi, Saadi Huluf. And produce, okay, and Tiaja Nakahara. Yeah, but you nailed of, it. <laughs> thank you. Of the upcoming short film Gamers to the show. Welcome, you two. Thank you. Um, in addition to making gamers, Sahari uh, is a production coordinator at Pixar, and Tiaja is a post-production coordinator at Masterclass. Um, if you are talking about film and video production jobs in the <laughs> Bay Area, you can't get much better than that. Okay. <laughs> Intro that's really sweet. Complete. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's my own thoughts. I feel like Pixar and Masterclass are like, you know, some of the big, bigger companies around that you can work for in video. So mm-hmm. hats off Great. to you both, Thanks. you Thank know. You. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, I would love to, you know, hear both of your one minute bios, like a little bit background of uh, who you are and what you do. So uh, Sahari, why don't you take it away? Yeah. Um, my name is Adi Holof and um, I'm from L.A. I was born and raised in L.A. my whole life. Um, and I guess like... Um, I started getting interested in like filmmaking in general uh, with animation just because I grew up watching a lot of anime and I also grew up watching a lot of just like American animation too. Uh, and I really loved comedy. And I think that's what really got me to animation too was that uh, I felt like animation was like the broadest form of comedy that anyone could watch it. It didn't have to be separate to just kids or adults. Um, both could watch it. Um, so then I went to UCLA film school thinking like, I want to study comedy, (laughs) uh, but ended up really focusing more on screenwriting and animation and stop motion. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I got an internship with Pixar and I've been there since. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for me. So hi, I'm Tiaja Nakahara. I'm an aspiring producer. I was born and raised in Okinawa, Japan, so shout out to any Okinawans out there. I'd be really impressed if anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was a design media arts major with a film minor in UCLA. That's where I met Saudi. Um, I worked on a lot of short films, two features while I was in college. I dipped my toes a little bit in development at Sonar Entertainment. I did some video editing for internal education content at Pixar, and now I'm a post-production coordinator at Masterclass. Nice. So you guys actually met in college before Pixar. Yeah. And then you overlapped. Which was also a very funny story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's hear that story. How did you guys overlap at Pixar? Um, Well, 
We well, we met in freshman year at college because we were in the same film club, and Tiaja and I worked on. I I feel like I worked on my first ever set with Tiaja. I think it was like um, there's this thing called like campus movie fest at schools where like you have one week to make a film, and then this film club would do like three of them at a time, and people were split up. And then I met Tiaja there, and then mm-hmm. she took my jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and so she'll give it back to me she never gave it back to me <laughs> I may have lost that jacket forever yes. oh and gosh. then I got sent to film school and then she got really involved with the film club and we kind of like separated ways but we were both were making films just like in different groups and I also was part of a film fraternity um, so when I came to Pixar um I was random. It was like lunchtime and I was in line to get like water and I was literally right behind Tiaja. So when Tiaja turned around, we were just like, whoa, because we both didn't know we were working there. And did you just get hired too? You were like a. Yeah, I think I started a couple weeks after. Yeah. And like it was weird because when I saw her, I felt like I was back at UCLA campus. So it was like this weird like deja vu. I'm like, wait, where am I? Am I in L.A. or am I in the Bay? (laughs) (laughs) So, so Adi, you are a production coordinator at Pixar currently. Uh, Tiaja, can you remind me yeah, what your role was? Um, yeah, so I started as a production assistant, but in Pixar University. Okay, right. And so I did that temp for six months, and then I ended up joining um, the video production team because we have like our internal video content, as you probably know, Colin. Right. Um, so for, for that, I started editing content. Ah, okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. nice. and then how long did you guys overlap uh in total i mean at the studio three years yeah okay wow yeah, like three okay. Years. <laughs> <laughs> and it was during that time that you um put this project together yes yes but okay. it was like right. the last year that tiaja was there is when we were really, like literally it was all last year <laughs> okay uh-huh. oh wow so um had you uh you know on a creative level uh saudi written this um, prior or uh, been thinking about this short in particular or were you working on other projects uh, personal projects in the years leading up to it or uh, just decided what 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 brought you to this um, to this film um so while I was interning and um, and then I got hired on as a PA I was taking a lot of writing classes because uh, UCLA has like an online writing courses so I did that and I also was taking and again because I was I really love comedy um, so I was mm-hmm. taking like these sketch writing classes in the city, like every Thursday night. Um, and those were cool. really helpful because, um, you had to write something every week versus like the online class was like, you're working on one project and like, right. I get bored really easily. <laughs> so <laughs> I always like the good idea and I write it and I'm just like, oh, I'm done with this. It's not fun anymore. But with the sketch comedy class, it's nice because it's like quick and easy. Just do like five to six pages, uh, suppress two characters, one space cause you're doing it on the stage. Um, so I did one about these, like, four old men, like, in the children's section of a library playing video games. And then, like, the librarian, the joke is, like, the librarian has to keep coming back to tell them to be quiet. But they're so into this game that they can't, like, contain themselves. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I remember, like, I was looking back at all my writings. And I remember the sketch. And I was like, oh, yeah, I really had fun, like, reading the sketch. And um, But I was kind of disappointed because it was just, like, you know, it was all, like, all white male and even the librarian i think was a male a guy too and i was just like why are these all guys and i just decided to change it to women and then um 
yeah, and I brought I I shared this with Tiaja uh, to this um, this idea, um, and I kind of like started from there from this like sketch writing class and changed it to a script, um, hoping to the idea that we could film it. But I had a lot of difficulties of creating conflict because it, I wrote it as like a gag, and there wasn't really any like mm. story or emotion in it. Um, and that's where like Tiaja really helped me kind of bring the story together. Gotcha. Uh, what was the just kind of curiosity? Just thinking about it, like the gag. What was the gag in that in the early version? <laughs> so the gag was that basically the librarian would come back and be like, "Hey, be quiet, or else I'm pulling the plug." And the kids were like, "Right, right." And the old men are just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." And then like you know the rule of three. So the third time she comes, she pulls the plug, and when she pulls the plug, mm. they also like shut down too, and it's just oh. like. Uh, the way I'm saying it is probably really terrible, but like because she pulled the plug, she also <laughs> well, like they... plugged them off too. So there, it was like the joke of like, oh, they're also connected to the cord of that outlet. <laughs> yeah, they're very like, bad at like telling they're kind of like robots or something or uh, something like that. Huh? Or like that they're just so hooked. They're like they're like they're robots or something. Yeah, or they're like they're just so hooked in part to... of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool. So that's so funny because that's like such a that's such a different movie than <laughs> mm-hmm. the movie you made or the idea you know that you yeah. guys ended up making. <laughs> so I think it changed a lot um, when we decided to kind of just flip the genders of the characters out of curiosity. And at that point, we're like, "Well, what does a female gamer look like?" And we kind of like delved into this research stage. Um, of looking up female gamers and then we came across like Gamersgate and all this controversy and like just sexism in the industry Um, and then I think that's when you know the story kind of definitely twisted and turned into completely something else yeah and I also was just like I was pitching ideas like a lot of ideas to Tiazza too so I had like a lot of ideas that were hopefully going to be stories that I wanted to try doing and we combined the two ideas together. And that was Tiazza's idea, too, mm-hmm. where, like, um, we had the game idea. It was a really great plot about, like, people playing games. And then I wrote a script about, like, a queer couple um, who are, were basically, like, arguing and, like, um, kind of trying to define what their relationship was. Um, and then Tiazza brought the idea of, like, oh, what, like, how cool would it be if you just bring those two concepts together of, like, these couples who are also gamers um, and they're trying to figure out what the relationship are, is. Yeah, which I, I was just thinking, since uh, our audience hasn't seen the short yet, um, maybe one of you could kind of uh, give us a quick pitch or the log line for the story that it turned into and the movie you ended up making. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> uh, so Gamers <laughs> is um, it's basically about an amateur female gamer who's given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to try out for a pro-league gaming team. Um, but then she gets repressed by self-doubt, and which her girlfriend confronts her with. There you go. You had that ready nice. to go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. So why why write about gaming in the first place? Are you guys uh, gamers at all? Is this part of you know your background and what you guys like to do? So I am... I play games, but I'm very, like, specific on what kind of games I play. So, um, I don't like playing games alone. Like, I could only play games if I'm with other people. And I love to play, like, food or story-oriented games. And when I was growing up, um, I was playing games with my brother a lot. And I also, that's another thing about the sketch was, like, my my introduction to games was, like, going to, like, the public library near my school and playing, like, educational games. Or sometimes I'll go, like, to the Cartoon Network website 
and like play video games there. Um, but as I grew older, I got more interested in anime. <laughs> so I like delve my time and energy in anime. And like, we also just first bought our desktop computer when I was in middle school. And like, I remember this time when like at Cartoon Network, they were like playing an anime that was like, episode 50 but like in japan it was already in episode 220 so like i was like okay i need cut off games and really focus on this anime and like really catch up in all my shows um but now i kind of just i i like to play board games i like to play um yeah i like to play games with like with large groups of people um yeah nice so no pro gamers no i'm not no (laughs) and i think like there's a reason why like i was never like First of all, when I was young, like, I was never encouraged to play games. Um, also, this idea of pro-league gaming, I, like, I just, I was always not interested because I always liked playing games as, like, a stress reliever and for fun. And, like, the idea right. of, like, competing and doing pro games, like, like, stresses me out. Unless it's, like, with friends. Like, I play sometimes, Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's honestly, you know, uh, <laughs> even to me right now, it's, it's, like, it's it's kind of crazy to think about that 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 exists as a career path that's like mm-hmm. kind of legitimate. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and they make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, you know, just on a you know like on a character level to be introduced to someone who who takes it so seriously and you know considers it practice rather than uh, you know fun. You know, than playing. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there are people like that. There are people who like oh, who certainly. are so passionate about it. That like what like they want to get their skills better and better, even if they're not pro league or even if they don't think they could get there. But like, um, that's how I am with writing. Like, I love writing, and I write I write a lot, even if I think I'm never going to become like a writer. Um, that's funny. I was I mean watching your short, I was definitely ident- identifying with it. Just replacing gaming with filmmaking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or writing. You know, it's definitely I think universal because of that. It's uh, this balance between you know, really wanting something, but also doubting your ability to, to get there or be as good as you want to be and, and maybe thinking you might not be ready to to really, uh, you know, capitalize on an opportunity that's presenting itself because maybe it's like, it's too early. Like, I, I don't, you know, I, I might screw this up and that, that would, you know, ruin everything. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's well-written from that regard because I think a lot of people, regardless of, what their you know craft is uh, probably will would identify with some of those feelings for sure. That's awesome, yeah. Because that was definitely some like a goal that we had in mind. Because basically that's imposter syndrome, and yeah. we wanted to make sure you know gaming is such a topic that's covered not in this regard. Right. Um, so to have people be able to relate to the story in that way, mm-hmm. yeah, was I think a success. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the character motivations or character choices were definitely based on like imposter syndrome. Cool. <laughs> uh, since you guys both worked at Pixar, and you know, when I was there, I experienced imposter syndrome quite a bit. <laughs> Is that something that has impacted your uh, professional experience there, or <laughs> uh, just kind of curious? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go for it. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it, well, I mean, the thing about Pixar is, like, you're working with, like, the best of the best of the best. And, like, right. and it's, like, crazy exactly. how talented everyone is. And I'm not just, just talking about, like, animators or, like, story artists. I'm also talking about just, like, you know, and layout and characters, um, like, GT, like, rendering, like, all of those departments. And I'm in production, like, production uh, coordinator. So I'm 
like, I kind of help and see all the departments of what they're doing. Like, I'm in these production meetings of, like, all the struggles of these departments. And it's so crazy how quickly they just, like, figure shit out. <laughs> and they just yeah. get the <laughs> pipeline moving. Um, but, yeah, mm. there's imposter syndrome. Also, too, that, like, my 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 job is not really uh, a creative one. It's production management. Um, and then... There's also that thing too of like my the last time I directed a film was in film school and it was for my directing class and it was like the most miserable experience ever and <laughs> that experience literally made me switch it to screenwriting because I and at UCLA you get to pick a concentration for your senior year and I chose screenwriting because I hated that experience so much with directing um, and which is why I like stick with animation too, because I hated directing people, but with stop motion, I'm like directing pieces of paper or like clay. Right. And it was <laughs> so easy for me to manipulate them and make them work long hours because they're not human. <laughs> right. <laughs> so for me, I'm like, I'm doing that stop motion. <laughs> so Tihaja, I want you to answer too, but before we do, uh, Sahari, I want to hear more about this. Like, so what, what about directing your film in, in film school? What made it so miserable and, and why was it such a hard experience for you? Um, I think because I, so I, in high school, I did a lot of math and science and like, I was into like website competition. So I didn't really get interested in filmmaking until I was actually applying to college just my senior year. Um, and then I got to UCLA and then the thing with that use, when I was at UCLA, um, the film program was a two-year program, so you couldn't actually apply until your sophomore year to get in for your junior year. So I spent a lot of time, like, on set. Um, that's how I met Tiaja. So I was part of, like, two film clubs. I was part – I was really helping out with the grad students, really trying to learn what the hell it takes to make a film um, and being, like, a PA on everything. Um, and then um, when I got to film school, I told myself, like, okay, I want to direct a film, and um, I did Campus Movie Fest. And – Again, I, I was there was like this weird, terrifying idea of like working with other people and having them help you with your vision because I just thought that no one would care. And I also thought that my ideas weren't good enough. So when I wanted to do Campus Movie Fest, because the first two years I did it, I helped as like a PA. My junior year, because I got to film school, I had like a sense of confidence. And I was like, okay, if I got to film school, like that means I could tell a story. But I just don't want to share it with other people or know that I'm doing this. So <laughs> let me just like make a stop motion <laughs> film. So I got like my other friend who was in the art program and um, we both just like got pieces of paper together. And um, that was my first introduction introduction with to directing because I was directing her I was directing myself and she was someone that made me feel safe um and then uh we did that film in one week which is kind of crazy to do a stop motion film in one week and um it was it won best drama in the film festival um and then again it was like doing these mini things by myself to practice gave me the confidence but that directing class was the first time I ever did it with humans and other people basically and it was just like (laughs) You know, I had sound problems, um, lighting issues. Um, like, I did it outside, and it was just, like, a lot of noise. There was a party happening. I went down to the party, said they could turn down the stereo, and they were like, no, we got a permit. And I was like, well, I got a permit, too. <laughs> so, like, can we compromise? Wow. And they were just like, hell no. So it was just, like, a lot of things that I didn't think of for live action versus stop motion. Damn. 
That's tough. Yeah, the sound. But the world doesn't uh, necessarily stop for your movie, you know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's really hard to work around it sometimes, um, whether it be a commercial or a short film or a feature, whatever, you know. It's just like, yeah, there's lots of compromises that have to be made. Um, so, but was it, what like, what kind of crew did you have for that project? Was it like a five-person crew, like 20-person crew? Like, was it a was it a big thing? Was that part of the, the struggle? Um you know, it's a struggle of like, cause, um, I don't know, like personally for me, like whenever I, m- I make a film or make a project, I have a hard time asking for help, um, which you could kind of dive in when we have, when you see our credits, cause you see a lot of names being repeated. <laughs> um, and it's just like, I, um, I feel bad if I'm working on a project or if I'm doing something, asking for help. And if it doesn't seem good enough, like I, like, that's like my biggest fear. And it, it kind of ties in with imposter syndrome where it's just like, oh God, like, I want to try to do this, but I know I'm not good enough. And it's, um, yeah, it's a hard like line of like, cause my crew was like about 10, 10 to 11 people. And it was a mix of like, um, uh, my friends from film school and also, um, the people in my fraternity. Um, and they're all like willing to help. Um, but I just put like this extra labor layer of like stress on myself to have it be perfect. And it did not happen yeah it's tough it's tough to like have such high expectations on yourself you know on on any film let alone your first film but like on any project and then you know when you're not hitting that level like i don't i don't know it's it's gonna be tough um so i try not to put (laughs) just try to like be like okay we're gonna do this this is the goal this is the vision let's just make it happen and try not to put I don't know, too much pressure. Although, of course, there's always pressure yes. whenever you're doing anything, <laughs> especially when people are working for free. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Tihaja. All right. So you, you, that's your turn to answer about imposter syndrome at Pixar. <laughs> I mean, I was in a non-production department and I don't want to put Pixar in a negative light or anything, but there was always this kind of... Um, divide I feel like between people who are working on feature films versus not who are in the support group so in that sense I felt like as someone who wants to be in production or someone who wants to um, pursue filmmaking in the long term um, I felt like I was never good enough to be in that like feature department in a way Um, so that was but at the same time uh, Pixar does a great job giving opportunities um, with the education program which is the department that I was in and so through that I felt like I had a lot of support in in learning and growing where I can totally that makes perfect um, sense yeah nice uh so kind of curious since um it sounds like I mean clearly there is some um uh you know ambition on both of your parts to uh to produce and to direct and to write um but I guess uh Sa- Saadi uh you're you're, you had some not so uh, positive experiences essentially directing, uh, you know, your, your latest short or your short before this at UCLA, directing humans rather than in animation. <laughs> so uh, just kind of wanting, you know, to, to um, yeah, get your take on why, why what called you to, to do this again, to put, put this project together, the, the two of you, um, you know, to decide to do it in live action because it could have been done in animation you know, animated. Um, and, uh, because it seems like you were focusing on screenwriting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so now you're back in the director's chair. So just kind of curious, um, you're thinking on that. Yeah, I was, 
I think I was getting frustrated because I, I felt like I was writing and writing and writing and there's like nothing of it coming up. You know, it's just like, oh, I finished right. this pilot. Like I did a Bob Burger, uh, Bob Burger spec script, and I was like, and now what? Like, like it's just like, right? What's the point of that? Or because, because I guess ideally, you know, people are reading your work, and you get, you, you know, it it, it uh, has an impact on the direction of your career, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, I guess there's a lot of ways. I'm putting words in your mouth, maybe, but uh, of of you know kind of getting getting established as a writer and seems seems based on what you've said that basically you were spending time on working on your craft without much of an outlet for getting your work seen would you agree yeah or? no that's exactly you know that to a point where it's just i felt like i was like writing i would stay up all night writing 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 and then um it became that thing of like why am i writing this like what's the purpose like why am i spending why like why am i doing all nighter on this one script and not like there was no promise of what it was going to be or what was going to happen um and um it took me a while to realize that too because i i was getting like frustrated with writing too because i was that's why i started doing sketch writing actually because i was like maybe i need to have like write sketches and have to be on stage so i could at least see an outcome um because you know, you know when people are like, "Oh, what do you, like do you write?" I'm like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Oh, let me see your writing." And like, I will like pass in my script or something, and then never hear them back. So for me, it was just like, "Okay, like this isn't working." Right. Um, and I always, I was always interested in doing something more. I just didn't know what. Um, and I love producing too. Like, uh, if anything, I think my dream job would be like a creative producer, where I'm both like writing and I'm also like um, doing the management side of things and like figure out budgets and stuff. Um, but I think like. I wanted to direct because I wanted to see something I wrote com- on screen. Right. Cool. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's an addictive <laughs> uh, part of the process. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and then Tiaja, I mean, um, have you always kind of ha- been focusing on sort of the producing side? Are you balancing other projects as well, or you do you also have you know writing and directing ambitions? No. <laughs> oh my God. I ha- like. Hats off to all the directors and writers out there. Like, I cannot do what they do. But for me, like, what I think I'm good at is I, I, my career ambition is really to help people, creative people bring their projects to life. Like, that's what I feel joy in. And to me, that just gravitated toward producing. Because mm. I feel like there's a lot of these ideas that people have, and it's just really hard for them to get them to fruition. And so I felt the same way when I met Saudi, where, you know, I was itching to make something, but I'm not... Like, I don't have the beginning ideas to help, like, the seeds to grow that. And so when she was like, oh, I have all these ideas, like, can I pitch them to you? I was like, yeah, tell me about them. And as we started talking, we definitely knew we wanted to work on something together and that I was going to help produce it and actually make it happen. Amazing. That's great. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, just production details. Like, how long was the shoot? How did you put, you know, your cast and crew together and then um you know what your goals are uh, on a broader level you're hoping to submit this round of festivals or um i guess you've already kind of gotten started with that right yeah yeah we've been submitting to festivals we're not done yet um we have a whole list and a spreadsheet of all the festivals that we want to apply to so slowly make going through that list um we've gotten into about nine or ten so far which we're really happy about excellent Um, yeah congratulations thank you and our um a lot of people actually in the gaming industry, like gaming conferences, have been hearing about our projects and have been contacting us to come and screen the film as well as do some Q&A afterwards. Cool. Um, so that's super exciting. 
In terms of production detail, so we started writing this around April of last year, and then we shot in August. Um, and then we wrapped post around, I would say, December, January, and then just started submitting to festivals. So it feels really fast, but it was right. about a year mm-hmm. almost process altogether. Uh, and uh, I mean, looking through your uh, credits, I was recognizing quite a few Pixar names. Um, were they just kind of friends of yours who kind of chipped in here and there? Or was this wasn't uh, a Pixar co-op project, was it? It was, it actually, was. Okay, yeah. Cool. We did submit it as a co-op. Um, but that's how we got interest in the project, I would say. Um, a lot of the people we did end up talking to one-on-one, but there was at one point where we mailed out to like a Pixar alias where people were interested in working on side projects right. um, and asked if anybody can help us out. Um, so we kind of, yeah, that's cool. I think how we gathered most of our crew. Um, fantastic. Nice. Um, and, uh, it looks like a fairly, you know, because it's one location, two actors, you know, uh, a fairly cheap film to make, mm-hmm. um, but financing, I mean, there's always, movie making is always more expensive than you anticipate. Uh, I guess sort of the bigger expenses would be, you know, just feeding the crew, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know where that location was, but... Um, did you have to raise any money for this or is it kind of, kind of an out-of-pocket project for, for you both? Yeah, this is super low budget. Like everybody on it pretty much did it for free. We did pay our actresses mm-hmm. um, and then we did pay for some post-production stuff, but even the location was actually Saudi's apartment Got or it. her house. <laughs> yeah. And so very, very low budget. Even the equipment, like we were able to get through some friends and... Um, we did rent some gear, but very minimal. How did you so. find your actors? Oh my god, such a struggle! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a struggle. I think that was like our um, first we, hurdle, too, right? Yeah, um, so both of us this is our first project in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't realize how hard it was gonna do how hard it was going to be to do like a casting call and we were expecting kind of like the LA amount of people it's kind of flocking to you. in LA because I had the opposite experience you know oh. having lived for five or six years in the Bay Area uh-huh. and then my first project I did here last year you know it's crazy that you, you spend about five minutes on a on a profile for a character yeah on a free service yes and you get like 70 to 120 mm-hmm. like decent uh, uh, submissions where exactly. people are actually reading, you know, doing takes of your script, and yeah. it's like, oh my god, the 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 level of uh, you know embarrassment of riches down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, no. So we had the opposite, and it was pretty drastic for us. We were like, what? So we did our casting call on SF Casting as well as a uh, backstage, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, barely. I mean, this is also, I think, a difficult one to like even do a casting call because one, um, the actresses would be would be have to be okay with um, kissing each other and some intimacy mm-hmm. um, with same sex, and also just so we that were... was something that like up front is is something that you kind of have to put out there, you know, yes. to screen you know people or to not waste people's time, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then we also wanted to make sure that we had diverse characters. Mm -hmm. um, and so that I felt like also narrowed down our scope as well. Mm -hmm. And so by the time we did like our first casting weekend, we had like maybe 20 people show up, um, right. which isn't a lot. Um, and then we had to brainstorm, okay, how do we get more people? And so Saudi and I actually started to go to film festivals and like reaching out to friends of friends who've like, you know, filmmakers in the Bay Area who work with people, actually talking to um, SAG as well on how, if they know anybody who'd be interested in this project. And so we had to kind of really reach out of our network to um, find more people to audition. Wow, okay. And then ended up doing a second casting weekend. And then uh, I think one of them, one of the actresses I think was actually from our first yeah. weekend. So okay. from like the first 20. Right. And then the other um, actress we ended up finding in the second weekend. So you didn't cast out of Los Angeles at all. You just stuck to the Bay Area? We did. We stuck wow. to the Bay Area. Yeah. Good for you. I, my first movie, I uh, I did the same thing. I cast the rest of casting got about 20 people or so mm -hmm. and then uh then I did an LA casting uh you know out of the bay area but I just put it out through Breakdown Express mm -hmm. and then I did a bunch like 20 um you know Skype reads and then found wow. my actors that way wow um and I always get a lot of crap from it from the bay area acting community they always get <laughs> mad at me cuz they're like you should have cast it out of the bay area and I was like well I tried and there just wasn't that many people but uh yeah. good for, good for you guys for for sticking with it um, cuz there are great actors here it's just they're hard to find and I think that's hard for bay area actors to understand yeah. but yeah. It, it's really true cuz I've worked with a lot of fantastic actors out of the bay area but when you do a casting call it's like you're rarely seeing those great actors um, mm -hmm. popping up. I mean, sometimes, but not always. And, and, um, and sometimes there's, you know, great actors who just don't fit the part, you know? That's right. Part, yeah. That's the tricky thing about casting. Yeah, that, that too. And so. that, that happened Yeah, like... I mean, this, you guys were looking for something specific. Mm -hmm. Sorry, say again? Oh, no, sorry. I was, I was going to say that happened a lot of time too because for a second run of casting, um, we had to do intimacy tests and relationship tests, basically. So we mm -hmm. had like... Mm -hmm. Four, I don't remember what it was, like four Taylors, there were two Jamies, and we had to do like, you know, we had them on a couch coding with each other, playing games together, and we're just like, can we see these people like on screen as actual couple? Wow. And like, um, uh -huh. we did those, and like, it kind of broke my heart because there's like, there's like two girls I really like. There's one girl in the first casting who like read my script and was able to cry on the spot, and I was so impressed. I was like, you are an yeah. amazing actress. This is not the role for yeah. you, but they are so good. It was like things like that that happened a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, That's always tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to the goals of the film really quick. So mm -hmm. was the main goal basically just to make something um, so you had an example of your writing that you could show people? Or is there a bigger goal in mind with the short film of like trying to make something that's going to uh, propel your careers forward? Um, maybe like a little bit of both. I, I realized too that like, I want to, like, I'm still kind of exploring as an artist, like what, what do I want to do? Um, because before we did gamers, Tiaj and I actually worked on like a live late night talk show called talk of the town. Hmm. Um, and I directed that and, uh, it was like a live show and not only did we do a live show, but we also directed a sketch within the show. Um, and I think that also helped me too, because I was like a very small crew um, again, two actresses, but the, who are really, really close to us. So I felt very like comfortable, like messing up in front of them because I knew they'll understand. Um, and we did it like in like 
for like half a day shoot and like that kind of gave me the confidence to do gamers and then after i did that sketch i'm like oh i always want to try a narrative film and then after doing gamers and like granted i learned a lot <laughs> as a director um while i was doing gamers and like i actually miss being on set um because now i'm just like now i know what to do next like i know what to do right like now like for example like with the mm. shot list um we like when i first wrote it it was only six pages and then I kept on rewriting it while we were in production. It ended up being 10 pages. So we ended up having to shoot like five pages a day because we only had two days of shooting, which was like crazy. And we had to like cut shots mm. as we were filming. Um, so yeah, I think the goal was to submit it to festivals um, and also meet with other filmmakers. So that's why I'm really excited because two of the festivals, of the night festivals we got into are from the Bay Area. And I really want to just like meet with more like Barrier filmmakers, like, um, and then just seeing Sorry to Not Bother You and Blind Spotting being filmed, like, filmed here in the Barrier kind of gives me, like, more of a motivation to, like, not move to LA because <laughs> I really love Oakland and I really love the <laughs> Bay Area. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I keep making films here, um, in the Bay Area, but also try to find a career where, like, I'm consistently being creative. Great. Well, I mean, you're at Pixar, so you already got a big part of it figured <laughs> out. You know, you're at, like, one of the best, uh, you know, film studios, um, ever and then that also happens to be in the bay area so <laughs> that's that's pretty great um but yeah making movies in the bay area is like something that i'm also passionate about mm -hmm. and i think you know the only thing to do is just to do it you know mm -hmm. and keep on doing it and like though sorry to bother you and blind spotting like sorry to bother you was like a pretty local production like you know the director lives here or used to live here i don't know if he still does but and the producers here and everything which is nice or a lot of the producers but I'm not sure about blind spotting. If they're like, was that were more of an LA crew that came in? I'm not exactly sure mm. about that. I know that the writer was from here, probably, or the director. But mm. yeah, I don't know. Anyways, the point is, we need to make more movies here. Just keep <laughs> I, on agree. Doing it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's, I also think it's really interesting that you're both like. I don't know. You weren't from uh, L.A. Tihaja, but you were uh, Sahari, and mm -hmm. then but you both went to school there. So it's kind of weird because like usually it's like if you're in L.A., like you oftentimes just stay in L.A. because that's where your network is, and that's where like your your you know that's just kind of where you build up your career, and that's one of the reasons to go to like L.A. film school is to like you know build the network and then like launch your career off like in Los Angeles. So it's sort of interesting that you both ended up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah, mine wasn't <laughs> by choice necessarily. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually <laughs> it gets a little personal, but I just um I actually got married right after I graduated. Um and my husband uh graduated earlier than I did and he got a job in the Bay Area first before I had graduated and so I kind of just like naturally followed him to the Bay Area a little bit begrudgingly because I did want to stay in LA for the exact reasons that you just mentioned. Hmm. Um, but I kind of just went for it and was like, okay, I'm just going to try my best and find what I can. And that's how I also ended up at Pixar as well, um, which is an awesome experience. So not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. uh, yeah. I'm also like an avid traveler. Like I love traveling. Like I think in the past, like eight months I went I've been to four countries already and I love making myself be uncomfortable and being places that I don't know so and I've been I, like again like I was born and raised in LA my whole life so I kind of felt like I needed something new so the moment I graduated I came to Bay Area and like this it was like this was like a fun challenge because like for one I hate the cold 
and it's fucking cold mm. here all the time. That was a struggle. <laughs> um, oh, you're gonna get shit for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nothing like anywhere else in the country. <laughs> I know. Right. People you go to like, the <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, zero degrees and shit yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah like I and I still keep in touch with my friends I go to LA pretty frequently I still keep up with my friends from LA we like watch movies together we go to network events together um, we also like I read my fr- I still read my friends scripts too um, and they read my scripts so I don't feel like I have you know like a disconnection from the industry really because I have friends in there and they let me know and Tiaja and I go go to a lot of film festivals like Tiaja and I went to Sundance twice um there awesome. was a moment where like we went to and the, okay that's another thing about the Bay Area which I feel like no one knows about is that in the Bay Area there's at least one f- film festival happening a month like guarantee like every mm-hmm. month there's a film festival somewhere with some random thing so there's no excuse of not meeting other filmmakers or like you know, knowing what's going on in the industry. Um, and yeah, and my friends come here to Bay Area too. So like for like for Mill Valley Film Festival, like they're like, can we crash your place? I'm like, yeah, come crash your place to come here. And then like for me when I go to LA and there's like, oh yeah, they're doing a screening of like, you know, like uh, trying to think of like, uh, of her. Her was like a long time ago. That's not a good example, but I love her. They're like, oh, do you want to come in? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll come down that weekend. <laughs> I love her. I love Spike her, I'm her, very obsessed her, with that Her guy. is a great movie. <laughs> and a That's great a really example regardless of the context. <laughs> right. Exactly. I wanted to ask uh, real quick, just uh, kind of going back to some of your goals, because we talked a little bit about your personal goals, career goals. Um, but you also did choose to change kind of your sketch from four old white men uh, to an interracial couple who are same sex as well. And you guys are also, you know, female filmmakers. I'm just kind of curious about, you know, making a movie in 2019. You know, there's, there's, there's a whole lot going on in the world. And clearly you are, you've decided to participate in, you know, conversations uh, about some of these things just by making a movie um, about the protagonists you kind of rewrote your script uh, for. So just kind of curious about your thinking uh, there and, and your sort of broader goals about contributing to that conversation. Yeah. Um, like, I knew from the, the get-go that I wanted to have POC women on my mm. uh, script. And even though casting was, it took forever. Not took forever, I should say, but, like, casting was, like, a challenge. Um, but it was worth it because we'd found them, you know? It just took a little more time and dedication. And not only that, but, like, I was like, we have to pay them. Like, we have to pay our these actresses because... You know, like, there's barely any films here in the Bay Area that pay, to be honest. Um, And I want to support them and then their creative vision and their, like, artist journey. So we're just like, we have to pay them. Um, But also, too, um, I'm very... I have a lot of gay friends and queer friends. And I'm also very involved with, like, uh, the LGBTQ uh, community in Pixar. Um, So I help with, Mm -hmm. like, the Disney SF Parade... Um, I help them with, like, their fundraising events and stuff. Because these are, like, my friends. And, like, I like guarantee, like, more than 50% of my friends are queer. Um, so it's not only just, like, seeing myself on screen. Because I did want to have a black woman. And I did want to have an Asian woman. You know, one for me, one for Tiaja. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also want to see my friends on screen, too. And, like, you don't see these stories of, like, uh, in general about, like, queer couples. And especially lesbian couples, for some reason. Um, right. So yeah, it's a lot about seeing myself, but also seeing my friends. Nice. 
you, you should check out a friend of the show, Lisa Donato's short films. She's done, I think, five that are all LGBTQ um, related. Um, mm-hmm. I think all lesbian couples, I believe, in in the movies. So, yeah, there's one called Spunkle, which um, I don't think I've seen because I don't think it's online, but it's about getting their uncle to be a sperm donor or oh. some, <laughs> something like, or their her brother. I can't remember exactly some, <laughs> some, some, some sort of thing there, but um, anyways, it, it looked like a fun movie, but that yeah, she's fun. got one called Foxy trot about um, going to like a dance class in Texas as like a lesbian couple. And you know, that, that the reaction to that, you know, from the people in the dance class and, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fun stuff. Um, Is she Bay Area? Yeah. Um, Your your film. Oh, sorry. Not anymore. So she was, um, and then she was in Austin, and now she's in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, And she's actually a really great success story. She just sold a show to Warner Brothers that she's working on now. Um, So it's kind of amazing. And and she just directed her first feature in the in the the winner. So I've I've got to have her back on the show. She's just too busy. Oh, wait, is this Signature Move? If you come to Los Angeles. uh, So so the writer of Signature Move. uh, So she wrote Signature Move. And then her her first feature she directed is called uh, The Gossamer something or other. I can't remember. But it it was shot in December. It's not out yet. Gossamer Folds. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, I had the, the cinematographer from that film on the show, um, but uh, but not but not Lisa. So, anyways, would love to hear that episode. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it's coming out soon. That, <laughs> okay. that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Anyway, so uh, I had a question about that too. Like, you know, as female filmmakers, like, do you feel like you faced any struggles um, in getting your movie made, or do you feel like there was a lot of support around you trying to get this project done? I feel like because of the climate, of the current climate, making gamers, I feel like we definitely did have more support. The one area that I wish we had more support in was actually from the sponsorship side um, when we were looking for gaming equipment to use. Mm. Um, We reached out to a lot of gaming companies and I feel like none of them really took us seriously um, and weren't just interested in general with mm. the project about, you know, female gamers. Like, that didn't seem like anything that they wanted to be a part of. And so that was a little disappointing, I would say. But um, Cooler Master, Saudi ended up cold calling and they were amazing. And the rep that we were talking to, Michael, who we still keep in contact with, was just so supportive about the project and the film. And he, his mom was a gamer and hmm. she, he just really wanted oh, us nice. to succeed for his mom, which is really sweet. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think in that sense, I feel like we, yeah, aside from that, I feel like we had a lot of support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel, nice. I feel like we also kind of, we wanted this to be like a small, like uh, I I should I should say we I say mainly me like I was very very big about like I really just want to get this done like now, um, like <laughs> really fast like it was kind of ridiculous because I didn't really start writing until like April and then we set to do it in August and I was still writing until like two weeks of shooting right um so and uh, it was like this weird like small controlled problem that I was creating for the film itself because I just really wanted to make something um but I had friends and like you know like and again like we if you think about it we did get support because all of our crew worked for free and 
they were more willing to volunteer. And Tiago and I were very big about we want to help our crew too and what they aspire to do. So like if our script soup wanted to be script soup, we're like, let's like sit down and talk about how to be script soup and like, you know, like really nail down like step by step what it is. Or like um, if we have like our, um, what's that thing called? Um, Like our, oh my God, why am I forgetting the name? Um, Our uh, production sound person, Sam, um, like if like, are you interested in doing live action? Like, do you want to try doing it? So it was just like, we also want to help our crew too, because like, at the end of the day, that like we're all filmmakers, so we all want to kind of bring each other up. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up, Sadi. I think for this is a beginner film for a lot of us, um, and we just wanted this film to really be an opportunity for not only us but for the rest of the crew um, that was, you know, basically donating their time for free. Totally, that's such a great philosophy about it, and part of what, yeah, it's just uh, makes it, you know, it's more than just making a movie. You're you're putting a community together and and supporting each other and uh no that sounds that sounds awesome so so really quickly sahari i i want to talk about like this emotion to get it done quickly because i've been there before and i rushed a short film out um because i felt that way like i just i wrote it in september or maybe august and then we shot in i think october and then you know, I wanted to get it done as soon as possible. It took me a year because it was like visual effects based, you know, to finish oh, wow. it. But uh, I'm just curious, like, what, what was for you? Like, what was that feeling that you had to like get it done as soon as possible? Was it just like you needed to see something that you you created made? Or was it more like you felt like you needed to get it submitted to certain film festivals at a certain time? Like, like talk about that emotion that you had. Uh, I think it was mainly like, I just need to see something on screen and... That too, in January, just the talk of the town. So I kind of have like a weird adrenaline rush of like, what's the next project? Like, what's the next thing I could do? Um, Cause talk of the town was such a huge like learning experience for me to like, how do I direct people like on stage and then also do a short sketch? And then for me, I'm like, okay, what would it, what would it look like if I just did one small like short narrative film? And I really just really wanted to challenge myself in the filmmaker, and I'm really trying to like train myself to like fail more because I do learn a lot when I fail and it's really hard to fail and it's really hard to confess when you fail because you know it's like embarrassing like you don't want to admit you fail you you don't want to admit that you mess up and with gamers like I had it was such a good experience and like like I said before like I wish I was on set again like the next day I was like oh man I want to be on set like I want to go back to that fun experience to try to figure out a shot try to figure out how to do this scene or like this um this take and I miss that a lot and um, I just really want to have more opportunities to like fuck up and mess up and like uh, and grow as a filmmaker because that's honestly the way you grow uh, but it's really hard for me to also confess that too because I hate messing up and like I'm like <laughs> somewhat of a of a I don't want to say perfectionist but like this idea of like oh if I do if I don't do it right the first time then I should never do it again um, but I always try to tell myself like you know I just read Chris <laughs> Gether's book um losing well and like he has this one quote which was basically like give yourself the permission to try which kind of really hit me because I'm like yeah like there's no harm trying um and for me doing it really fast was just like I want to fail fast so I could get it now and then when I make my next project I know what to do next yeah and every time you do I mean every every single time you start a project and go through the process there's just so much learning that happens so like I I I hear that for sure. That's great. 
a thing that's just um, also just part of being an artist and you know creator. You know, it's just like being project oriented. Um, yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to, you know, give yourself the permission to fail. You know, that's what they say a lot in, um, you know, like the startup world, you know, is like, uh, like failing is like the first step to like succeeding or something. I can't remember the quote. That's not the quote at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to know what that quote is. I um, love quotes. I, I have like a list of quotes yeah. on my whiteboard. I'm like staring right now. I'm like, should I drop another quote? Like... <laughs> <laughs> give yeah. us another one okay so this is this is my favorite one this one i got from uh this tuna fish guy i was watching uh online because it was just like this master this guy who spent all his life like finding the perfect tuna to sell to these sushi shops in japan so his quote is if you love it you'll teach it yourself if you don't love it others will teach you interesting nice i there like you it go. Hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> So really quickly, I know we're kind of getting out of time here, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about, like, because you both have full-time day jobs, right, at, at Pixar and Maxwell yeah. Class? Yes. So what is it like to be a filmmaker and have the day job? Like, do you feel like you like that experience, that you have the security, and then you can work on your projects on the free time, on your free time? Or do you guys both kind of feel like the, the you know, like you'd have the desire to have more time to work on your passion projects or your, your next films and not be like beholden to like a nine to five. Like how do you feel about it? Yeah. I always wish I have more time to work on my side projects, but I know I'll be more anxious and probably can't be able, I won't be able to concentrate if I didn't have a full time, like comfort job. That's like Mm. paying the bills. Um, so I don't know what the best <laughs> scenario there is, but um, at least for now, as long as I have a job that allows me to work full time and also have my own time to be working on things and I have people around me to help me get there, I think that's what I would stick with now. Are your hours pretty, um, you know, pretty normal or do you find yourself, I, I know at Pixar, especially in production, it's, you know, it, it can be you know, longer hours. Mm-hmm. Um, is that also the case at Masterclass? Or I actually think I had more time when I was at Pixar, to be honest. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I feel like my hours now do fluctuate depending on whenever, when, where we are at with lunch of a class. Right. Um, gotcha. So it definitely goes into phases. But... And your commute. Curious, real quick. Oh yeah. Um, because uh, that's that's in the city, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's in, it's in San Francisco. It's and, near and um, AT and T Park. Okay, yeah. um, I was just kind of curious because uh, you know Masterclass is a brand I'm familiar with, and I I subscribed for a year last year. Yay! <laughs> um, awesome. Just curious how how that works, real quick, and like what uh, are you working on a particular product or you know a video series at a time and move from one to the next, or are you? working on the production side of that whole thing or yeah so I can work I'm usually working from like four to seven different classes or projects Mm -hmm. at the same time and they're all at different stages of post-production so I basically handle from getting the footage from set all the way to basically launching the class and that includes the editing the reviews beta testing graphics color sound voiceover roto vfx all of that um, I work with the creative producer, the editor, and the assistant editor, um, usually assigned to the class. And we kind of are a small team 
per class basis. Um, and I'm working on four to seven of that at a time. That's amazing. I'm nice. so impressed with, you know, I mean, it's definitely a lot of uh, high level learning <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and just the level of quality from and craftsmanship and putting those together. Even just the titles, you know, are kind of mind blowing oh, yeah. little creations. So the amount of detail that people put the, you know, people at Masterclass put into these classes and the yeah. work that they put in, it's just really inspiring to me too when I'm there. Um, mm. So it was kind of interesting for me going from a big company like Pixar to like a startup level at Masterclass, like seeing the difference. And I think, you know, everybody just feels the weight of their job and knows that like uh, we all want the company to succeed. I mean, right. of course, that was there at Pixar as well. But I feel like in a more when there's so many people, you feel less it's, part of that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's less in your hands. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's kind of like the adrenaline, too, in a way that I enjoy being on set with and working on small projects with is just that kind of small crew mentality. Mm. Um, and I f- definitely feel that at Masterclass. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for it. I was just curious. Yeah. For um, sure. So, Ciara, I uh, uh, kind of uh, interrupted, but the question of the balance between, you know, the full-time job and, uh, the you know, the filmmaking and personal projects. How, how are you on that? Um. I kind of, I don't know. I'm like, again, I'm, I'm trying out different mediums. I, the one thing I learned from gamers was like, I really want to get my visual, visual style or like visual. I want to better, I want to look, I want to see better. So like, I've been like doing photography more. Um, and Tiaja and I are going to work on a music video together. And like, um, so it's a weird, um, I don't know. I'm in a weird phase of like, I don't know what I want to do in my life, but I kind of want to just keep making things. Like, I'm writing food reviews. I'm, like, doing photos of just food photography. So, yeah, I'm kind of, like, in a question mark phase. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> but do, do you mean that you just kind of want to find your style as a filmmaker? Is that part of what you're looking for, you know, with your next project? Is this sort of, like, solidify your style and your perspective? Yeah. Um, just because I feel like um, I want to up my visual game. I want to spend more time thinking about shots. I want to spend time thinking about color and space and like, um, just really be like, I, I don't want to just rely on my writing. I want the world to also explain and tell the story too. And I want the space and the props and things to also be a character in, in my stories. Um, yeah. so, and again, like I told, I'm like very, very obsessed with Spike Jones and his career, like homeboy started just doing like BMX and like skater photo photography and like doing articles about that life. And then he did some music videos and then he did features. And now he's just doing like <laughs> commercials that are like really like highly stylized and really like out there creative. And like, um, I always go back to the Apple, I, Apple pod commercial that he did because I'm like so amazed of like how, you know, that music, that commercial is just about like what a woman does when she's home alone and she's listening to a song. And like, it's just like, how can you make a film about that? Or how can you make a story about that? And I kind of want to learn to do that. Like, how can I make my films more visually stimulating? How can I make my films more like, you know, not the typical, uh, like act one, two, three structure. Like, how can I have the space to also tell some stories too? Nice. Awesome. Well, that's a fun journey to be on. You Thank know. you. <laughs> um, but I mean... It's it's also just hard with like as a filmmaker, at least for me, like it's it's kind of hard to define your style yourself. It's almost like you just do it, and then your style is 
kind of formed. I don't know, Colin, exactly. if you want to speak to it a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, cause you have your own style too, but like, is that something that you manufactured or is that something that just kind of happens for you? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it's hard for it to be an intentional thing. I think it kind of just it comes out of you and by, I don't know. Yeah. Just doing more and more projects, putting more out into the world and, and following your, your nose and your intuition. Like if you're drawn to make skateboard videos or to shoot, you know, food photography, that's naturally inherently just part of, you know, an interest of yours. And there's something about that, that, you know, that, that will be reflected regardless of what project you do. You know, I definitely feel that tone and style are something I don't have that much control over because I, (laughs) I end up, you know, kind of just, uh, yeah, I guess because it's so so intuitive and feeling oriented, it just ends up being you know me, you know in in, uh, in ways that I don't you know intend necessarily. So I don't know. I think it's it's definitely a fun process of exploration that um, you know, and it also evolves as your taste matures or your 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 you know the the work that you're ingesting you know changes over time. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, but I agree with that. So, um, oh, go ahead. No, Sorry. I was going to say, I agree with that because I, I, like, I think you just need to keep failing and, like, keep doing these things and just doing random things. And then, like, you know, something will just, like, happen. And, like, I did that with food photography where, like, I was like, I'm just going to go do random food events. And then, like, I talked to this woman and she was like, oh, are you interested in, like, doing a food review? I'm like, yeah, sure. And, like, now I'm doing a food review. And it's just like, it's like all these all these random things and events. It's just like I'm just gonna just follow this path. Like I told myself, like I'm not gonna plan anything for 2020. Like this year is really just like just do a lot of random shit and see where like the festivals gamers go to. Like see like you know want to go to meet other filmmakers, see how that happens there, and it's just like really just follow the flow of life and just make shit. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> follow the flow of life and make Love shit. It. um okay so now that gamers is out in the festival circuit like when do you expect for us to be able to see it like when are you planning to release it online or are you trying to sell it like what's your guys's thought process about that i think it'll definitely go online um and that's probably the end goal it'll be online probably next year i would say um once this year's festival season's over Nice. Okay. So we got a while to wait then. Yeah. But it's playing in the Bay Area. So it's playing at CanFest May 12th on Sunday. And it's also going to be playing on Frameline Film Festival. So, And we apply to a lot of local Bay Area um, film festivals. Again, there's one every month. Um, Because we also just want to, like, meet with other filmmakers here and, like, for me, it was just like, oh, you know, our DP for gamers moved to Hawaii. And it's just like, oh, if I ever make another project, like, where am I going to find another DP? You know, so it's just like right now. It's just like, <laughs> oh, you, you, you'll you'll find them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I need to start building those relationships <laughs> and planting those seeds. You know, mm. right, right. And then do you know the dates for Frameline? Because this might this probably won't come out before the twelfth, but it'll that's probably gonna be in the past. But Frameline might be in the future. Uh, so yeah, we're screaming for Frameline on June twenty first nice. at seven p.m. at the Roxy Theater. Awesome. Well, this will definitely be out before then. So everybody, be at the Roxy Theater on June 21st to see gamers in person. You can meet Sahari and Tihaja. Um, 
and yeah, it'll be, I don't know. I think that's what it's all about, right? Like you guys seem to be really focused on the whole film, film festival experience and getting out and meeting other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really enjoy doing too. I haven't been doing it a lot lately. I, I did go to like about 20 for my first short film, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't been going to as many lately, but I'll definitely try to get out to more and I'll try to be at the Roxy because that, that sounds like a fun, a fun screening. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, and then, so last thing, where can we find your work, uh, for both of you? Like, do you have websites, uh, Facebook pages? Do you just want everyone to go to the gamers website? Like, where should we send people? Yes. The gamers website, please go to gamersshortfilm.com. Um, you can also go there and all our social media links are also there. So that's probably the easiest yeah. way. And our, all of our social media hangers are like at gamers short film altogether one word. And we have an Instagram, a Twitter, and Facebook account. Um, and then, yeah. And then I'm on Instagram. Uh, Tiaja's on Facebook, maybe. <laughs> nice. Well, well, we'll definitely put your Instagram and Facebook out there because I'm sure people are going to want to reach out to you and talk to you. Maybe the other aspiring female filmmakers who, you know, want some advice or something. Yes. Because um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, women out there who have ideas to make movies and the passion to make movies. And mm-hmm. I think now more than ever, like it's the time to do it. So I hope that there's more women out there who are going to go out and start, you know, telling their stories. And yeah, I'm sure you guys could be great role models for them just because you guys went out and did it and you made it happen, yeah. um, which is awesome. Well, I mean, it was because Thank of you. this podcast. I, you know, Samia, the uneasy web series. Oh yeah. yeah, Samia, one of our other uh, co-hosts. Yeah, yeah, I hit her up after the podcast, and like we. Met oh, up twice. nice! Sick. That's awesome. <laughs> Samia is one of my favorite people. She is so such an inspiration, and um, I'm really inspired by how she approached her show and how she's like, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, but fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyways, and <laughs> I'm gonna do every job too because I'm insane. Like, uh, you know, it's really inspiring. So I, I, that's awesome. Makes me really happy to hear that you guys connected. Yes, your podcast is working, man. It's um, working. <laughs> yes, bringing everybody together. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, any last words before I wrap us up? No, thank you for having yeah, us. This is our no, first podcast so ever. Amazing. What? Awesome. <laughs> You're natural. <laughs> and I now love podcasts. Now, now you'll hit the circuit. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again for you guys for being on the show, Sahari and Tihaja. Really appreciate it. And Colin, thanks for another great episode, man. Um, Absolutely. Really glad you could be here. Um, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. I'm Ulrich B on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And Colin is? I'm at uh, Colin Levy, full name on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I guess that will get you to my site and other things. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. And please, if you like the show, tell a friend, help us get the word out. Uh, But yeah, thanks again for everyone for a great show and talk to you guys next week.